This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Uh, last week, I had some issues with the sound, some staticky type stuff was going on. I think I may have repaired the problem, which is replacing the cord that I use on my microphone. Let's hope that's done it. We'll find out. Uh, I did a test with it. It seems to be working okay. I'm going to put the headphones on for a moment and see if I'm hearing anything. Nope, just hearing me. Okay, that's what I'm supposed to hear. Uh, so, okay. I'll also, last week, <clears throat> uh, I mentioned, I talked about Alex Jones and him, you know, getting his comeuppance. Uh, the, the, I mentioned in there that. You know that he's when he's not under oath, he just spews his lies and all that. But somehow, when he's under when he's under oath, oh my gosh, I'm not. I wasn't exactly right. Uh, I did a little more reading about it, and I found and and found some other video related to it. You know, actual footage within the courtroom where the judge herself is calling Jones out on perjuring himself during his testimony. So you know, I guess. You can take the liar out of the podcast booth, but you can't take the podcast booth out of the liar? I don't know. Anyway, that, that doesn't quite work. Uh, you know, uh, this a this, uh, 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 couple years ago, and, and over the last several years, there have been uh, um, claim, uh, uh, claims of uh, a double standard when it comes to law enforcement in the United States uh, between the, uh, the communities of the majority, which happen to be mostly white people, and in communities of minorities, which happen to be you know, black and Asian and you know, all sorts of other people that don't happen to be pale-skinned like me. Uh, and they've been saying that, uh, especially within the black community they've been saying that the police abuse us they oppress us they target us they kill us right and we've been seeing in recent times you know a man who had a police officer kneeling on the back of his neck for what nine minutes or so that man was killed we we've we know the story of a of a black woman who the police served a no-knock warrant on her apartment. They, the police were in the wrong place. They bust in. I guess her, either her boyfriend or her husband or something who did have a weapon started to defend themselves. They didn't know who was banging in through the door, uh, despite the fact the police said that, no, no, we announced ourselves. Well, that's not, you know, it's kind of, I don't know. I wasn't there. But she dies. We have a guy happens to be a black fellow driving his car with his girlfriend and her daughter, it might be his daughter too, in the back seat, I can't remember, and gets pulled over by the cops uh, for whatever reason. Uh, went through a red light, uh, cracked tail, I don't know, cracked tail light. I don't know what it was. I don't know why. Pulled him over and and the young man said, I need to tell you, officer, that I, I, I do have a weapon. I have a permit to carry. And he ends up getting shot and killed. And this is just three examples that, you know, are recent, came to mind. And in the aftermath of such things, especially the George Floyd 
incident, the murder of George Floyd, I should say. Yeah, there's a, there's uprising, and uprisings happen, civil unrest. I don't condone the damage that was done. Uh, I don't think that it's. I I don't know if it, how effective it is, but as far as I can, being a white dude, middle-aged white guy, can understand it. I can understand where it comes from. The built-up anger, the not being listened to. You know, the, the looking at the example of a professional football player wants to draw attention of the country to this issue, to this problem, this double standard, this this way that minority communities, especially black, are treated by law enforcement. So what does he do? During the national anthem, he takes a knee, and he is vilified for it. Well, how are you supposed to? He's peacefully protesting. How are you supposed to protest? So again, I don't, I don't, I don't condone what was done. The destruction of businesses, setting a fire uh, of a, of a police precinct building. I, I don't, you know, I don't condone that. But as far as this middle-aged white guy can, I can understand where it came from. What else are we supposed to do? And yes, among the, among those that uh, were were doing the, the 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 stuff, you know, setting stuff on fire and destroying property and such, there are the opportunists that will run in and get themselves a flat screen TV. But you know, it's like I said, as far as this guy can understand it, I understand it. I haven't lived that life. I don't know exactly what it feels like. Out of that came calls to defund the police. Defund the police. Maybe that's not the best phrase for it, but we like our quick phrases. And defund the police is a nice quick phrase, easy to remember, easy to put on a bumper sticker. Uh, And it meant, and it still means essentially reallocating funds that would go to the police to go to other professions to help the police. Yet the police have complained about having to be marriage counselors and, 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 and drug counselors and ha- having to know how to deal with people with, uh, uh, with mental health uh, problems. And they have to. And there are there are organizations out there. There are professions out there, who are trained to deal with this kind of stuff. And if we could funnel some money in there, you know, it, it, and 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 get these people to be part of policing, maybe we would not have some of the problems we're having. And it would be easier on the police. So they do the job that they have. But then it's also meaning, let's redefine what policing is. And there, I, 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 God, I heard of it and I couldn't find it. But there was a, a city, I, I don't know, I don't know what city it was. I don't want anyone to take a guess. But it's an American city that rethought their whole policing thing. They just kind of, they just kind of took it all down and rebuilt it. And, and doing a different way of policing and how they do it, I don't know. It's just something different from what we're doing now. And from what I understand, things have improved in that community. This all, defunding the police also means demilitarizing the police. It looks like a little army coming out. They're all they're like little towns. Have, have, their guys look like SWAT teams coming out. It's just, it seems, it seems overkill. So okay, so that's that's what it means, as far as I understand it, to fund the police and conservatives, Republicans, of uh, all this. Oh no, 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 we can't defund the police. Even some Democrats. There's one run, uh, that uh, was uh, uh, running in a primary here in Minnesota, uh, uh, going against um, Ilhan Imar. Ilhan Imar. God damn it, I got her name wrong. I'm sorry. Going against her, <laughs> uh, his name is—I can't remember his name. Anyway, 
he's he's not, he's against the defund the police thing, the police thing, and so was uh, President Joe Biden. The defund the police thing, he's not not down with that. But so it's not just a Republican cons- conservative thing. But the loudest people seem to have been the conservatives. Well, we got ourselves, uh, you know, the cream of the crop, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She is now decided, you know, she's, she was, of course, against defunding the police. She thought, terrible idea, terrible, oh, no, can't do that. You know, she's, sure, she's, well, that's, this, you, what, what, you're not going to get rid of the police? What are we going to do? How will we keep the hordes of, well, she doesn't say it, but that's how I hear it. How we keep the hordes of black people from taking over? I, maybe she doesn't mean that. She doesn't say it. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. But that's what I hear. I'm sorry. That's what I hear. I mean, she called herself a nationalist. It's okay. So now you are saying you are a Nazi. Okay, fine. Anyway, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but that's that's what it looks like to me. Anyway, well, she's against defunding the police unless the police dare do something against the king, dear leader. Der Führer, Il Duce, fearless loser, as I call him, unless they try to do something against him. And then it's all about defunding the FBI. That's right. She's about defunding the FBI now because the FBI served a search warrant on the, the, the previous president and his, uh, his, his, his living quarters... <laughs> In Mar-a-Lago, I don't know if it's a compound or an estate or a mansion or a modest house. I doubt it's modest. I I think I've seen it, and I'm sure inside it's as gaudy and tacky as as it could be. I'm sure everything is gold plated, probably not real gold, but it's you know spray painted with you know they got some of that uh, what what what's that the the spray paint uh, the rust uh, rustoleum is that it? They got they got the uh, you know just everything spray painted gold because you know. You know he even spray painted his shag carpet golds because you know, because he's tacky. If there's if there's one word to describe him other than you know uh, insurrectionist and and uh, you know or two word unless you hyphen it coup attempter you know if you want to do that you know how about traitor you, you you use that to describe him but tacky certainly works. So anyway, they went in to find documents that he's not supposed to have. Now he's going to get away with it not in the end. It's just just nothing. Nothing's going to happen to him. He'll be fine. He'll run for president again in 2024. He'll be reelected. He'll be reelected. He'll declare himself king. His running mate will be Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, it's just that's what's going to happen. It's just, you know, I know. I'm hoping that I'm wrong. But uh Yeah, as soon as his place gets checked by the FBI, she's all about defunding the police. Oh, I know. She's saying defund the FBI. She's not saying defund the police. But what are the FBI? They're police. They're cops. If I learned anything from the movie The Untouchables, and possibly from the TV series, but I never watched it, but in the movie, the Brian De Palma film with uh, Kevin Costner and Sean Connery, The Untouchables, if we learned anything from that film, is that they considered themselves cops. They were police. They were federal police, but that's what they were, and that's what they are. So, you know, Black Lives Matters, the uh, the organization, had uh, satirically, sarcastically said, "Hey, welcome aboard, Marjorie. We're glad to have you. Nice to see you've come around to the defund the police idea that we that we have." Marjorie Taylor Greene is living, breathing, walking, talking evidence that. Logic and intelligence are not necessary to be in Congress. I think I've worked myself up into a little lather here. Why don't I take my first break? Boy, I hope it's not uh, having any weird sounds going on, but we shall see. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I'll return after this break. Tonight 
<laughs> We're scaring up a good time on your favorite radio station. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Well, I'll be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ZTalkRadio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. To Dimland Radio here on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Okay, uh, let's see. I think uh, I'll get to one of these uh, right now. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, we'll see how good it is. Uh, you, are you aware of the song called uh, Ruby, Don't Take Your Love to Town? It's by uh, Kenny Rogers and the First Edition. Uh, you know, Kenny Rogers, you, you've heard of him. He was a singer of some note, uh, 70s and 80s especially. That was his heyday, essentially. But uh, back in uh, 1967, I believe the song came out, 68, uh, the song Ruby, Don't Take Your Love to Town uh, came out. And... It's a, uh, it's a song about a guy who's been paralyzed over in that crazy Asian war, which is part of the lyrics, and that's, uh, that's referring to Vietnam. And so he, uh, he's, uh, you know, he's wounded in such a way that he, he's paralyzed. And he, he comes home, and he has a young wife. He's a young man. She's a young woman. You know, she has the wants and the needs of a woman her age, but he can't, you know, apparently... He can't service those needs. Uh, although people who are paralyzed, men who are paralyzed, uh, some uh, can still get erections. <laughs> Apparently, uh, you know, because it's there's a there's a couple. I I won't go into details because I'm going to start feeling embarrassed. But it is possible. But he's you know he just can't take her out dancing and doing stuff that she wants to do. And of course he can't you know he can't. Yeah, do the uh, you know the the vigorous uh, sex stuff that apparently she's become accustomed to. So what does she do? She heads out. She goes out to find it elsewhere. This is what is suggested throughout the song. He just says, uh, "Let's see. Uh, uh, let me try to get this open." Nope. Oh crap. Uh, he does say that it wasn't him that started that crazy Asian war. Uh, he just did his patriotic chore to go off and fight. He says, yes, it's true. I'm not the man I used to be. Oh, Ruby, I still need some company. And then he'll say, you know, it, she's, she's heading out. Uh, it's, um, it's hard to love a man whose legs are bent and paralyzed. And, uh, and then he's, he's, you know, he says that uh, the wants and the needs of a woman your age, Ruby, I realize. But it won't be long. I've heard them say until I'm in the ground. So he's eventually going to die because of this, apparently. I, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but, oh, Ruby, don't take your love to town. And it 
it goes like that. You know, he, he knows that she's going out. He hears this closing of the door. He sees that it's, you know, it, he sees it's getting darker out, and he knows that she's going to go out. She's going to go out to find that, find that good loving, find some young stud. You know, he's and he's he's just seething about it. But what can he do? He's he's he doesn't have legs that work. They're bent and paralyzed. But here's he gets to the end of the song, and it takes a, a very dark turn. It's already a dark song. It's already, you know, this is this is this is what war can do. There are more victims than those that are killed. Yeah, there, there's there's this guy, who's who's been wounded and he's lost the power of his legs. He can't walk, and there's his wife who's lost her husband and she has needs apparently. You know, so you know, war affects you know, it's war is hell, as somebody once said. War is all hell. Uh, William Tecumseh Sherman had said that. Uh, anyway, but the song gets to the end, and it really takes a, a pretty dark turn, because he says, he says, uh, the way I know I've heard, oh, she says, I uh, heard the slamming of the door, uh, the way I know I've heard it slam 100 times before. Well, only 100 times, it's not so, no, 100 times, that's plenty. And if I could move, I'd get my gun and put her in the ground. Oh, Ruby, don't take your love to town. Oh, Ruby, for God's sake, turn around. Okay, now this is a pedantic moment, right? That's right. It's a pedantic moment here. Um, I, I want to say to this fellow, if he's telling me this, and I'll say, wow, you've rhymed all that. Pretty good. Uh, I, I, he, I, when he, I said, but you know that part where you said, if you could move, you'd get your gun and you'd you'd kill her, you'd put her in the ground. I mean, that's I mean, come on, that's what he's saying. Um, if you could move, meaning, if you had your leg power back, if you if you were able to, you know, do what you used to be able to do before that crazy Asian war, right? Right. So if you could do that, she wouldn't. She, hopefully, she wouldn't be heading out to find what she needs elsewhere. Because presumably, you'd still be able to deliver that for her because you could move. So if you could move, you wouldn't need to get your gun to put her in the ground because you could move. Remember, remember the problem is, is you're in the wheelchair thing. You're 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 paralyzed. Remember that's the problem. That's the reason she's going out. Unless there's something deeper we don't know about. But if that, but if we're taking you at face value, what you're saying in the song that because of your loss of your of your legs, you can't move around. You can't do that. You know, you don't have that. They're just bent and twisted and paralyzed. Since since that's the problem. And she's going out to find her love and elsewhere. If you could move, you wouldn't have that problem, then would you? So then, the whole, what's the point? Uh, what I'm saying is, have someone help you get your gun, and when she gets back, kill her. Oh wait a minute, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. That was just that was a bad joke. <laughs> I, I, don't kill her. Killing's bad. Okay. Just saying. Uh, watched a, uh, well, what, what, this is something that I don't understand, I, I, I'm not sure I get it. Maybe somebody could explain it to me. On the Facebook, uh, somebody put up, uh, uh, just this little bit of text that says, and I couldn't, uh, I, I should have written it down, uh, so that I could say it word for word, but it'll be in the show notes. You get to the show notes by doing what? You go to dimland.com, you click on the show notes slash blog option, and you'll get to the show notes. And again, if you're not reading the show notes, you know, if you're just listening to this, you're getting negative 48% of the show. I mean, it's all on the show. I don't know. I just make these numbers up. Anyway, can you have a negative percentage? So... Somebody had posted this thing, you know, the, 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 this thing about electric cars, these electric vehicles, EVs, as we're call, as the kids are calling them. Uh, the people who get them, you know, they should just, or they should just be getting their power <clears throat> for those cars through wind and solar. 
And it's like, okay, you're, what, huh? So they post that, right? And then the, the comments come in about, you know, how bad electric cars are or, you know, you know where, where's that power come from? You know, somebody put up a picture of, uh, 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 of a train pulling a bunch of cars and it filled with coal. You know, here comes the fuel for the electric cars, which, yeah, sort of. I mean, if you in China, maybe, in some parts of the um, United States, uh, uh, there might be more coal uh, behind the power pr uh, production than in other parts of the United States. But uh, in, in the U.S., it's a hybrid. You know, so yes, coal is used and natural gas and oil. Uh, that stuff is used, yes, yes. But so is wind and solar and nuclear and geothermal and hydroelectric. Uh, and those last ones, those last whatever number it is, the first three, those are fossil fuels. But the last are not. And, and I always include nuclear in this because nuclear power is necessary. We need it. We need it to get off the fossil fuels. It doesn't put up CO2 in the atmosphere. It doesn't contribute to the greenhouse gases. It doesn't contribute to global warming. Everybody gets worried about well, what do you do with the waste? Well, from what I understand, there are there are n newer designs, like I like fourth generation designs of, of nuclear power plants. And even the third generation designs of nuclear power plants, they're, they're so efficient, they're able to reuse the waste that's currently being stored, they're able to reuse it and deplete it even more. I think in the United States, though, we're at second generation uh, nuclear reactors, and we haven't been building any for a long ass time. And we need to get some more. Because if we're going to deal with climate change, if we're going to de deal with <clears throat> getting ourselves off of fossil fuels, we're going to need nuclear. Oh, excuse me. I have to take a sip of something because my throat is getting kind of dry. So just just bear with me. Uh, you know, play some music in your mind while I do this. Ooh, that was a good song you picked. Nice, nice one. Nice song that you picked there. I'm going to take another sip. Think more about that song a little. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, no, not too bad. Uh, it might make my Spotify list. Okay, so... I... I I don't. Why are I don't, I don't understand the seeming fear of electric vehicles? What is what is the worry? Yeah, it's a, you know, and and the point is, it's saying you know they should just get the power from solar and wind. And well, well, yeah, that's that's the goal. The goal is to get off of fossil fuels. And so I I commented by saying that. Um, this is going to happen. The people in that thread who seem so uh, needing to cling to the, the ICE cars, the in internal combustion engine cars, seem to just absolutely need to hold on to them. And they, they, why are you afraid of, of, of electric vehicles? No, they're not perfect. Sure, there's going to be some you know problems, but they're... What, what, internal combustion engine car is perfect. So they, I don't get it. I, I, I don't. If I could afford one, I'd get one, an electric car. I do have a gas-powered car. And, you know, but I try, but the car that we have is, as you know, is a fuel-efficient one. You know, it's not a gas-guzzling pick-em-up truck with a huge flag hanging off the back with you-know-who's name on it. Ours is a is a car is a, you know compact car with uh, window cling stickers of Bill Murray and Mr. T. That's what we got. <laughs> so, and and then these folks are all complaining about how much gas prices are, which gas prices are coming down. If you haven't noticed, they're coming down. Thanks, Brandon. And uh, um, they're all complaining about, it. and and I've said to them, well, it sounds like somebody's ready for an electric car. And they're just—it's the reluctance is incredible. I imagine it's similar to what was happening when 
when in, in, in America and, and around the world, but let's just stick with America, when the transition was happening, going from horse and buggy to cars, you know, it's horseless carriages, when the transition was happening, I'm sure the horse and buggy industry was not too happy to see that happening. I think some of the of the companies that would make horse carriages made cars, started to make cars. I think that happened. I, I didn't have time to confirm that, but I, I think that may have been the case. And it would have been a smart thing to do. Said, well, this is well, this is the future because this is what's this is what's happening. Gas-powered cars are coming. I, there used to be a phrase: "So get a horse." If your car had broken down and somebody rode, rode by in their horse and buggy, they just yell over, "Get a horse!" I don't know if that's you know, apocryphal or not, but seems like that would be uh, uh, likely uh, of a response to someone. Oh, well, you know, get get a horse. Your car's not working. I think it's the same sort of thing. Unless all my Facebook friends that are really upset about electric vehicles and all the people that that uh, uh, commented on that post, unless they're all employees of the oil companies, I don't get it because they. As I pointed out when I brought this up with them. Uh, I said, electric cars are coming. Like it or not, they're coming. You know, Ford and General Motors and I think other uh, big car manufacturing companies have said that they that they intend to go to completely manufacturing electric cars in the near future, like by 2030 or 2035 or 2050. They, they're setting goals for that's all they're going to offer. And sure, once the car companies are just making electric cars and all the new cars that you can buy are electric cars, there's still going to be gas-powered cars on the road, but they will eventually be replaced. It's going to happen. And electric companies, XL Energy, who's an electric company up here in Minnesota, they have made a pledge to go off of fossil fuels to produce their electricity by 2050. I don't know if it's a pledge or if it's a goal that they've set or whatever. And if they can make it, that this these are good things. We sh you should people should be excited about electric cars. Now, you might be sitting here thinking of a bunch of things that well, what about this about electric cars? What about that about you know electric cars? You know the batteries are terrible and the the way they get the lithium for the batteries is awful and all that kind of stuff. I would direct you to listen to and this is part of the reason why this is on my mind. But it's just in the same week somebody shared that meme and the same week that uh, Brian Dunning put out a Skeptoid episode this past week, as I, you know, as I record this this past week, that is about what people are saying about electric cars now. And part of what he brings up in the, the episode is that people are making the same arguments they were making 15 years ago but the thing is the technology has advanced in the last 15 years so their their, their arguments aren't you know they may have been some of them might have been fairly valid back in the day might have been uh, 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 a decent argument to make against the electric car but those have been addressed and no it's not going to be perfect but you know he's He's given anecdotal evidence from his own life experience. He went on a tour, Brian Dunning of Skeptoid.com, went on a tour. Uh, he drove out from, from Oregon where he lives, and he, get, he I don't know how far he went out, but he came to Minnesota. He came to uh, meet with the Minnesota skeptics. I was there and met him, and he did the trip in, a, in an electric car. And he says his filling up time to charge up his car didn't take any really any longer than somebody pulling into a convenience store gas station thing, putting in some gas and going in and get some snacks and coming back out and driving off. Now, you should leave the pump after you've gassed up, pay at the pump, pull in to a parking spot, and then go in and get your snacks. Don't leave your car sitting out there at the pump because somebody else is going to need to get some gas, and you might be in the way. Anyway. But he says it takes about as much time as to fuel up a car. And then he had this little bit happen to him. When he was in Montana, I believe, there was a snowstorm. This was happening in October. There was a snowstorm that the town he got to knocked out the power in the town. So he couldn't charge up his, his electric car for a while. He had to wait for the power to get back on. 
And he said, when the power got back on, you know, and I'm sure all the gas park people, oh, let's see, that's, that's really, your electric car really helped you out there, there, didn't it? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. That's not how Brian put it. That's how I'm, I'm putting it. But he said once the power came back on, he and the one other fellow with an electric vehicle that were waiting for the power to come on to charge up their vehicles, they charged up their vehicles, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was, they charged up their vehicles, they took off, and people who were gassing up their cars that had to wait in line were still waiting in line to gas up their cars because you know what? It takes electricity to work a gas pump. So, now that's anecdotal. That's Brian Dunning's experience. And uh, I'll link to that show, uh, uh, link to the Skeptoid episode so that you can uh, hear for yourself what he had had to say about uh, the arguments that are being made today about uh, against electric vehicles. Anyway, you've been listening to, or you're still listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. I'm going to head to uh, uh, my break. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'll return after the break. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Wash your hands often to reduce the spread of germs and disease. To wash your hands properly, wet them, apply a quarter-sized amount of liquid soap, and rub them together for about the time it takes to sing the Happy Birthday song twice. Wash the front and back, in between your fingers, and under your nails. Dry them with a paper towel if possible, and then use the paper towel to turn off the faucet and open the door. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. A message from the CDC. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z-Talk Radio. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Oh, boy, this delay on the headphones gets crazy. It's crazy long by the end of this hour or the third, by the beginning of the third segment. It does. That's why I can't I can't wear the headphones. Uh, maybe it's the, maybe I need to update my program and all that. Uh, it doesn't appear as though I'm hearing any uh, problems with the audio. It might have been a combination of the uh, cord uh, needing to be replaced, and my phone. I think my I, I don't have my phone on. It's sitting over here. Uh, I think maybe the phone was having some problems because you remember at the end of that last week's show, if you listen to it at the very end, as I was as I was uh, you know doing the pedantic moment at the end of the show, uh, the phone rang. And by the way, did you notice what the ringtone was? Did you notice? Yeah, it's Bob O'Reilly by the Who, of course. Uh, the phone rang, and it was my dad. And I quickly silenced the phone. I called him back as soon as I was done with the show. But it's like, oh, that's the first time the phone has ever rung while I was doing a show. First time. And it, it just, he had to step on <laughs> my punchline to the the to the, uh, the pedantic moment. Uh, if you, In case you missed it, you see, my son uh, turned eight, uh, turned 19 on Monday, August 1st, astrologers put your charts away. He turned 19. All right. Now, my older brother on Saturday or Friday or Saturday, he sent me a text saying, how old will Hayden be on Sunday? And I said, 18. And then the next text I sent was, however, on Monday, he'll be 19. See, that was me being pedantic. Now, I talked to my older brother about that. He didn't even notice that's what I did. 
<laughs> you didn't even. I said, really? You didn't. You didn't catch that? You asked, how old would you be on Sunday? I wrote eighteen. However, Monday he'll be nineteen. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So he missed it. I don't know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, these are the jokes. Sometimes you miss it, and sometimes, it, apparently, it'll get interrupted on a show because my dad had to call for some reason. No, he had a reason, but I won't get into that. So that's the first time that's ever happened, and it's part of it's. Uh, I think part of the reason why it would happen uh, is that uh, I used to record my show at night, and these last few shows, I am once again coming to you from the basement of Nostalgia Zone, uh, the comic book store that for which I work, uh, and I'm. Uh, you go check the website out, nostalgiazone.com. You can order comic books on there. You can become a member of our of our thing, save ten percent and and all that. But you know, this is a little little advertisement for the for the store. Hey, if you're into comic books, you know we've got stuff. We've got some pretty good stuff here. Um, I was checking out what came in and what the what the boss has got on his stack to be graded and all that. And there's, there's a couple things that are, are interesting in there. So you should check it out. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, first time it's ever happened on Dimland Radio, the phone interrupted my show. <sighs> twelve years, twelve, twelve plus, twelve and a half years, I think, at this point, or pretty close. I watched a movie uh, last Sunday morning. I was doing uh, some comic books, entering comic books, uh, sitting with my laptop, doing the comic book thing. And um, movie came on. <clears throat> that or no, I decided let's watch something. Let me put it, you know, one of these free channels that we've got with our Roku thing. Uh, let's let's uh, let's check and see what um, uh, what Western might be on that I haven't seen. You know, just, just had a hanker and just put on a Western. Something that I'm not going to really have to pay much attention to. Yes, I haven't seen it, but. You know, something that's... It's not a movie that you'd need to really, really pay attention to. <laughs> I think. The movie I picked was uh, The Way West from 1967. Now, this movie stars Kirk Douglas, Richard Widmark, and Robert Mitchum. Uh, it's a film about um, a wagon train of settlers making their way across you know, the American Midwest... Uh, uh, out to Oregon, but they you know they've they've signed on that they're going to do this, and <clears throat> and um, Kirk Douglas plays the fellow who is the is the captain of the uh, <clears throat> of the of the wagon train. He was a senator. He was an important man. He's got money. Uh, he just lost his wife. Uh, I think she committed suicide. I think that's the story. He has a young son with him. And it's the film begins. Uh, he 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 approaches Robert Mitchum, and Robert Mitchum is this uh, frontiersman type, the guy that you know would be a scout for the army or something. He knows the area, and uh, he was married to a Native American woman who she also died for I'm not sure what. <clears throat> so, and he's kind of decided to be more of a hermit, just going to hang by himself and not get involved with anybody. Uh, so, but, you know, Kirk Douglas's character knows that this is the guy that I need to go to. You can lead us to Oregon. You've, you've been there. You know the, you know, you know what to avoid. You know how to get to places. Let's us, you know, come on. I'll, you know, I'll give you whatever, did, did, you know, some, made some offer to him. And then he's, you know, appealed to his sense of, uh, uh, you know, manliness. You know, you're not going to be a coward, are you? <laughs> uh, so... Well, okay, he he does. He gets in there and he leads him up uh, to to head to Oregon. Uh, Richard Woodward plays uh, just you know, one of the people that's part of the wagon train, but he's sort of a he's a little more important than the rest of the people, just a little bit. I don't know. Uh, he had some uh, military thing experience or something. Uh, whatever. He's just he's just yeah, well, he's like the third star of the movie, so you know he's got some importance to it. Uh, he's the guy that will that would uh, 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 would buck the system. He's the guy that would um, challenge the, the captain of the wagon train a little bit here and there, and think, you know, maybe I should be captain of the wagon train. You know, that has that moment because you know you need drama in the movie. You need to have stuff like that happen. 
And the movie's okay. It's okay. It's a little disjointed. It's not, you know, it's okay. Uh, but it has a couple, a few things of interest about it. Uh, it's the film that introduced Sally Field. Apparently, that was her first acting role of any kind of uh, national note. First film she was in. I don't know if she had done television. But uh, when they say introducing, it's usually like, this is their first big thing. So it said introducing Sally Field. And there was another uh, woman actor in there that she was also introduced. But, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> she, she, she didn't go on to be Sally Field. Now, Sally Field... She's, she was quite young then, but she was old enough. You know, like she was 16, I'm guessing, was the, the, the age. And her parents, she had older parents. They were they were dirt poor people. They were from Georgia. Uh, they were bringing peach trees out to Oregon. Uh, you know, there was, that was that was their dream to you know, make peach peach orchards out in out in Oregon, which you know maybe peach trees would be an invasive species for Oregon? Did you think of that? Maybe? Maybe that's not where they should be? I don't know. What do I know? I'm not a horticulturalist. <clears throat> or whatever those people would be. But, okay, so she's she's riding on the back of their wagon. And, uh, uh, and she's, uh, her relaxed sitting position is open legs. Now, okay, she can do that. Human being, if that's comfortable for you, that's fine. But the language of the movie was being, she's not very ladylike. She's quite a flirt. She's got uh, Richard Widmark is riding his horse, and next to him is his son, his young son, who's probably about 18, and they're riding along. Or maybe he's, I don't know, maybe he's 16 too, I don't know. Anyway, they're riding along, and the son is just, just eyeballing. Sally Field. And the dad says, All right, son, put your eyes back in your head. Yeah, yeah, I know she's doing the non lady like sitting position thing, but you know, come on, come on. And so, yeah, but but the, the, the two of them, the two characters, the, the young kids, uh, they, they have sort of a love thing going on, sort of. I don't know, she teases the heck out of him, and she's very interested in this other. Uh, fellow in the wagon train who is uh, 30-ish, I guess, and uh, uh, but he's got a young wife. And this is another thing that I thought was kind of interesting about this film, especially considering it's 1967. Um, it, the husband, you know, hasn't been able to uh, consummate the marriage, apparently, because the wife who's also fairly young, probably not much older than Sally Field's character, just isn't ready. There's something. There's something that's, you know, and he's getting a bit frustrated. You know, I, you know, I gotta, you know, I gotta do the thing. I need, I need, I need the thing. I'm a man. You're my property. You're a woman. You know, so, you know, in those days, you know, just the, the movie is set in 1853, 43, 1843. So, yeah, you know, she, you're my property. <laughs> that's how they were. So, you can't say no to me. So there's he, you know, he's worked up. I think maybe he was checking out the Sally Field character as well. Maybe not at that point, but you know, he's worked up. He's ready. You know, he's ready, and he gets into their their wagon. You know, they're, you know, they're at night, and and they're they're stopped to, for the night, and uh, he gets into the wagon, and he just starts to, you know, come on, hey, hey, hey. and she's like, oh, I can't, I can't. <laughs> she's like that. Uh, you know, until they until they have their place in Oregon, until they she has a roof over her head, you know, and a permanent roof over her head, I guess is what she's holding out for. And he's like, and he and, and his reaction then his immediate reaction is, "You are my wife. I own you." He didn't say that, but that's the attitude. You will do what I want, and I want to do the the, the deed, right? So he starts to kind of force his way at it, and I'm just thinking to myself, rape. Raping going on here. Rape. And he stops himself. He realizes, I can't force her to do this. And, it's, and just, just the very fact, the very notion that that little aspect would be in the movie. In, in 1967, they were starting, they were starting 
to this the idea that a husband could rape his wife. You know, we'll just go monogamous, straight, you know, cis people, we mean. The idea that that could be a thing was ludicrous to the majority at the time, but there were people saying, no, you know, the wife should be able to say, no, I don't want to have sex right now, and you can't force me to have it. And, and, and eventually there was a court decision, I don't know if it's a Supreme Court decision, but there was a court decision that said, yes, a wife can say no, and the husband has to say, okay, if you force it, that's marital rape, if you force it. Right now, of course, the current you know Supreme Court will probably get around to making sure that you know husbands can rape their wives. You know, a Amy Coney Barrett will absolutely make certain that that's a, a right given to husbands. I'm sure of it. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm not being fair, but I thought that was that's interesting. That was an interesting moment. I said, "Wow!" That uh, and and I also found it to be well, the guy backed off. You know, he just says, "Okay." Uh, you know, I don't like this, but all right, I'm not gonna, I can't, I can't force myself on you, that kind of thing. So then what does he do? He gets out of the wagon, and who does he find? <clears throat> yeah, she's kind of hanging around. It's a Sally Field character. And what do they do? Which is also surprising because the sex scene was really, no, there was no sex scene. But there's a, you know, they, they, you know, apparently they did the deed because later in the film we find out that this young girl is pregnant. And it ain't the son of uh, the Richard Redmark character that's the father, although he says, I'll, I'll marry you. I'll raise the child. And, you know, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. So I, 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 but I thought, wow, that's interesting that, uh, that they, you know, touched on the idea of marital rape. They just touch on whether they is intended, but it, I don't know. It must have been in the in the consciousness of the country at that time, at the beginning. You know, this women might have been speaking up and saying, "This is this is a thing." Because I remember there was a, a in the seventies, mid seventies, there was an episode of uh, of Barney Miller, of all things, one of the best cop shows ever, Barney Miller. That uh, that had a wife accusing her husband of raping her, and although it was uh, soft pedaled then, and and you know everybody made up in the end, it was you know, it, this was something that was in the minds of people uh, at the time. So it, it was, uh, uh, but it still we hadn't quite uh, gotten to that point where the majority of the nation, I believe, at this point, realizes, yeah, it is possible for a spouse to rape their spouse. It is possible within straight marriages, gay marriages, you know, whatever, whatever kind of a marriage. It is possible. If the one partner does not want to do it and is forced to, well, what do you call it? So that was interesting. The other thing about the movie... <clears throat> It is eight, you know, it's set in 1843. They are heading across the American West. They're going west to grow with the country. Manifest destiny, you know. There's nobody here before us. <laughs> so, it's all land this land is all laid out for us, which is it's almost an well I want saying it's understandable is not nice, <laughs> but it's almost because to the perspective of the people moving out west, it was a lot of open land. Because the the diseases that had come with the Europeans when they came to this continent had gone on ahead of them and wiped out all sorts of people that were already here because they hadn't been exposed to smallpox and these other illnesses. So just so by the time the white folks started moving in those directions, they, it was a lot of open land. They, the, the people that had been there were gone. But there were still people living there. The native folks were living there. So, you know, we got to show up. We got to have some Indians show up, don't we? And I'm using the, t the term like in the movie. But we do have to have some Native Americans show up in the film, don't we? And so then I'm watching that. I'm just, I'm just oh boy, here comes the racism. 
Oh boy, here we go. And it's, you know, I, uh, of course, well, there's, there's Sioux, in, uh, Sioux uh, Indians, Sioux Nation, I guess that's the way to say it. Uh, they, they, you know, this, this wagon train needs to meet with them to negotiate being allowed through their territory. We will give you these things. So they lay out a blanket on the ground. They have these little boxes of stuff with baubles and things in there to give to them. And this isn't what they want. And I went, oh boy, what do they want? And so, they're, they're, of course, Robert Mitchum, his character, he can speak the language. Which, you know, this is why I can't, I, I couldn't be an actor. Because watching Robert Mitchum do the the gibberish Indian language, I'm sure it wasn't actual Indian language, or I'm sure it wasn't authentic language. It just sounds like the the movie versions of the Indians. <clears throat> uh, he, how do you not feel silly <laughs> delivering that dialogue? How do you not feel silly? I would feel silly, but you're an actor. You're trained. You get past that. Yeah, it, 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 and it's just I'm not an actor. What can I say? So anyway, he translates that what they want is whiskey. And I went, oh, well, at least he didn't say fire water, because that was about it, it, it. Oh, so yeah, things happen. Uh, they get to go through the territory, but some other things happen, and you know, there's conflict and whatever. And the last thing I will say about this movie. Which again is it's okay. It's called the Way West. It's okay. There's a moment in there where um, the Native Americans uh, make their presence known, and it's a it's a it's a it's ho they're hostile at this point by shooting a couple of arrows into one of the cattle. That's part of this wagon train, cow or whatever it is. Shoots a couple arrows into it, killing it, of course. And as far as I could tell, it looks like they really did shoot arrows into a cow. I mean, it's 1967. If that was special effects, it's pretty damn impressive. But I think they really did shoot arrows into a cow. Now, I eat meat. I understand. Cows are slaughtered. And I eat them. I eat chicken, I understand, you know, in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, there's a shot in there where they're going through the tunnel, and, and Willy Wonka's all acting crazy, and everybody's freaking out on that little boat, and you've got all these images playing on the walls, and one of the images is of a chicken getting his head chopped off. I don't know if that was an effect, or an actual chicken getting its head actually chopped off, but, you know, and I know, I eat chicken, I understand, they get killed, I get it, but Wow! <laughs> I, I I looked at that and I thought at the end of the movie didn't have no animals were harmed in the making of this film. They didn't have that that I saw. And it's like, did they really kill that cow for the film? Because they, they show it getting shot, the arrow's going in. Boom, boom. And, okay, and then, it, then they show it laying on the ground with these things sticking out of it. Looked pretty real to me. I, I don't know. It was disturbing, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, it, it was disturbing. Uh, and again, I know, I eat cow, I, I eat meat, I eat, be I eat beef and pork and all this stuff. I'm a meat eater. I understand, but... Ew. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Okay, we've come to the end of another Dimland Radio. I don't know if the sound has been too bad. Every time I've checked, it seems like it's okay, so I will find out when I listen back later. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by the Yolius and is used with permission. Mm -hmm.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.